the kingdom of God. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. As an example here in Matthew 6 and verse 33, he told us that it should be our top priority in life as Christians. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So top priority, the thing that we should be seeking first in our lives is the kingdom of God. And hopefully we'll learn a little bit more as to how we, we do that now. When Jesus, if you turn just back just a couple of pages to Matthew chapter 4, not only did Jesus say that the kingdom of God is our priority, but when he began his ministry, and here in Matthew chapter 4, it talks about the time his ministry began. He was tempted by Satan, and immediately after that, when he began his earthly ministry, the first thing he started preaching about says, Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So he represented the kingdom of God. He, in a sense, brought the kingdom of God to the earth, the kingdom that we are now a part of. We know that in the future, he's going to bring the fullness of the kingdom to this earth when he returns in glory. Turn just another page to Matthew 6 and verse 9. We all know the Lord's Prayer when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Many of us have this prayer memorized, but notice what he says here in Matthew 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Notice, your kingdom come. So Jesus Christ returning and bringing the fullness of the kingdom to this earth is something that should be in our prayers on a regular basis. We are called by God to be kingdom of God-minded people. We've been called to see beyond our present country, our present circumstances in this world and in our country today, to look beyond that and to keep our focus on the kingdom of God. And that's very difficult in this day and age because we're surrounded by everything that goes on in this world. You know, all we have to do is turn on the TV and all we see is, you know, uh, disasters in this part of the world. It's, we're in hurricane season now. And I know our daughter, Teresa, going back to Florida, she keeps her eye on the weather because her, it's not a hurricane yet. It's a tropical depression. Fred is being followed by one called Grace that's about to hit Haiti where they just had a uh, uh, earthquake again. And that's all you hear. And as we talk so many times, all you have to do is turn on the news and see the situation in our country as far as politics is concerned and the economy is concerned. We have been called to look beyond that, to be kingdom of God-minded people. We see many examples in the Bible, and I'll ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, because God's people in Old Testament times dealt with the same kind of distractions, concerns in their world as we do today, maybe of a different sort, but I'm sure many of them were similar. 
But in chapter 11 of Hebrews, which is the faith chapter, it's just a list of people who were kingdom of God minded in spite of their circumstances, in spite of what was going on in the world at their time. And notice what it says about these people. Hebrews 11 verse 8. Some examples in this chapter. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Notice, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So in a similar way, we are looking beyond this world in which we live today. We're looking beyond the country in which we live today. Certainly we love America and it will you know, be our home. But as a Christian, we're looking beyond this. He goes on to say in verse 11, by faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise, God that is. And so from this one man, Abraham, and he as good as dead, he was older, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So it's the same thing in our situation. God has prepared a dwelling place for us. He has prepared a city that he has built, a country for us, if you will. And that is what our focus is. It goes beyond our day-to-day -day problems and issues that we have in our country today and in the world today. We can't let things going on today trouble us to the point that we lose our focus as to who we are and where we're going what we're a part of, and that is the kingdom of God. So we have to be kingdom of God-minded people. They were all united in hope for a future city that God was going to build, and we have to be the same way. So I encourage you, don't be discouraged by what's going on in the world today or in our country today. Let's look beyond that. You know, in January of this year, after the election, if you remember, the change in administration was taking place at the White House, and there were protests in Washington, D.C. Do you remember that? And a lot of people were troubled by what was going on. It, it, it went beyond what most people predicted or thought might happen. Uh, Patricia Heaton, I don't know if you know who she is, she's the actress who played the wife on Everybody Loves Raymond. Some of you were familiar with that show. 
she's a Christian. And at the time this was all going on, she wrote a message on Twitter. And it said this. As people were watching the, the riots and the, the protests in Washington, D.C., she said, if you're a common sense person, you probably don't feel you have a home in this world right now. She said, if you're a Christian, you know you were never meant to, that is, have a home in this world. So I think sometimes we feel the same way. We watch the news and we see the turmoil, the suffering, the confusion, the upset, the rioting, the marching, whatever the case may be. It has to dawn on, on us in a similar way at that time that this is not our permanent home. We are looking for a city whose builder is God. And if we're not grounded in this truth of the kingdom of God and what God is going to bring to this world and what is already here in a sense in our lives as Christians because we're already part of the kingdom of God. If we're not grounded in this truth, we will be blown all over the map by political crises, economic downturns, weather disasters, because those things are all gonna to continue to happen up to the end. And we can be shaken and we can be disturbed and we can lose our focus with all this happening around us. So we have to keep our focus where it should be. We can only experience true peace in our lives by keeping the proper perspective on who we are in this crazy world. Let's turn to Luke 17 and verse 21. Luke 17 and verse 21. Verse 20, once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So in that sense, Jesus teaches us that the kingdom of God is not just a future reality. It will be a, a future reality when it comes in its fullness, when Jesus establishes it all over the whole world. But the kingdom of God is also a present reality in the hearts and minds of believers. Jesus teaches us that. We already live under the rulership of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom of God. He has been established in that way as by the Father. So we are already living under the rulership of Jesus. And we, our goal as Christians and in the church, we want other people to know the Jesus that we know, to experience the forgiveness that we have experienced, to experience the love that we now experience, the joy and the kindness through him. That's what we're all about as, as the church. That's why we live and, and share the gospel whenever we have the opportunity. We used to think of the kingdom of God in only a superficial fashion. I can remember years and years and years ago giving sermons on the kingdom of God saying, well, you know, a kingdom, if it's a kingdom, it has to have a king. 
and that would be God or Jesus Christ. It has to have territory to rule. It has to have subjects to rule. It has to have laws for people to live by. You know, we've heard the stories of the streets of gold in the kingdom of God or uh, all of us having responsibilities to rule over cities. And, but that's just kind of a superficial look at the kingdom of God. I want to go deeper today. And here in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. Romans 14 and verse 17. The rest of the sermon will revolve around this passage. Because Paul talks about the kingdom of God in a little bit deeper fashion. Romans 14 verse 17. In this chapter, he's writing to the church in Rome. And they're having a lot of trouble over differences within the congregation. And he brings up the subject here of dietary uh, preferences. There are some people in the congregation who are meat eaters, <laughs> as most of us are. There are some in the congregation who are vegetarians, which perhaps in the congregation here some of us are. We have a, a freedom and a choice to eat whatever we choose to eat, whatever works for us, okay? And I guess that there was uh, offenses taking place in the congregation, and Paul had to address this and say, hey, listen, th this is not important. <laughs> you know, what's important is our relationship with God, the preaching the gospel. Let's not get in a, in a, a tither over uh, whether you eat certain things and you don't eat certain things. Another subject that came up in other places was uh, where you buy your meat. Uh, in some of these towns, uh, there were customs where uh, a pagan priest would bless the meat that was then sold in the marketplaces. And some Christians thought, well, we shouldn't eat meat that was blessed by uh, pagan priests. Uh, isn't that some sort of a sin? And Paul had to, to write and say, you know what? If a pagan priest gives a blessing on some meat in the marketplace, it's not changing the meat at all. God doesn't look at it as sin. Just go ahead and eat it and, and don't make a big deal about it. So there was, it was causing division in the church. And so finally, Paul had to address some of these issues. And he says here in, in Romans 14 and verse 17, as one who is in the Lord Jesus, Okay, I know I'm a Christian and I know I have authority to say this. I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone, if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So don't make a big issue about it. But here's what the kingdom of God is about. But of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's go through these three factors that Paul points us to when he talks about the kingdom of God. Righteousness, what's that? Well, righteousness means everything that is virtuous and good that comes from our Heavenly Father. 
So if the kingdom of God is about that, don't look at negative things or physical things that cause division. Righteousness is everything that is virtuous and good that comes from our Heavenly Father. James 1, verse 17. I'm sure you know what the scripture is before I even turn there. James 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So the kingdom of God is about righteousness. In other words, every good and perfect gift that is from above, which comes down from the Father, God the Father. So as, as proof that we're in the kingdom of God now, all we have to do is look at all of the good and perfect gifts that the Father has already bestowed on us. Now, these gifts will continue on for all eternity. But right now, we look at our blessings, how we've been blessed physically. You know, we've all got clothes to wear. We've got a house to live in. We've got food to eat. We've got a car to drive. But more importantly, we have salvation through Jesus Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. We have the promise of eternal life with God now. All of these things are blessings from the Father. It's the kingdom of God. We're living there now. You know, we haven't fully attained everything. It won't be till the future when the, the, the kingdom comes in its fullness. But we have the promise of God and the assurance of God that all of these things are ours. And we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to doubt it. We've got God's word on it. And he's given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment on all of these things that he's got in store for us. In fact, the scripture tells us that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, the, the mind hasn't even considered what these things are going to be like in the future when God finally opens the storehouses and we have everything. But we have the promise of it now. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And we're told that we should dwell on these things. Instead of looking around you and, and focusing on the things you don't have or the things that you want, consider the things that you've already been given. Dwell on that. It's, it's a good thing for us to do. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, God's word is true, we know that. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, we're in the kingdom of God now. It hasn't come in all its fullness yet, but we are citizens of that kingdom. Our mind should be on that and not on the negativity and everything that pulls people down in this world. I'd like to read, uh, th there's a, a recent new study Bible that has come out called the Mirror, like looking in the mirror, Mirror Study Bible. And this is what the, how that author translates this verse and the comments that they make on this verse. Philippians 4, 8, the Mirror Study Bible says this. Now let this be your conclusive reasoning. Consider that which is true about everyone as evidenced in Christ. Live overwhelmed by God's opinion of you. 
Acquaint yourself with the revelation of righteousness. Realize God's likeness in you. Make it your business to declare mankind's redeemed innocence. Think friendship. Discover how famous everyone is in the light of the gospel. Mankind is in God's limelight. Ponder how elevated you are in Christ. Study stories that celebrate life. The notes in the Mirror Bible say to engage your thoughts with, those, with throne room realities where we are co-seated together with Christ. See, that's the way a person who is kingdom of God minded, how they think on a regular basis. The author goes on to say, Philippians 4.8 deals with our thought life. We have to stay mentally strong in these times. I love how this translation puts it. Let this be your conclusive reasoning. It is all about the conscious, uh, the conclusions rather, that we come to after thinking things through. When we engage our thoughts with throne room realities, where we will be seated at the right hand of Jesus Christ, our conclusive reasoning will be based on God's opinion of who we are in Christ, not of who we were or who we are in the flesh. Think about every situation in the light of the word, in the light of our new covenant reality, in the light that the Father is working all things together for our good, and in the light that we have been given power and supernatural ability to overcome everything that we face. Seated in Christ in heavenly places, we are not victims, we are victors. I really like the way that author put that. He kind of expanded on Philippians 4 verse 8 and what our mindset should be and you know what? This kind of a mindset is going to get us through any kind of problems that we face in this life as we see the world continue to crumble around us. And we know this is a fallen world. We have been a part of it all of our lives, but by God's grace, he's called us out of it now to something better. A restored relationship with the Father, uh, having become citizens now of the kingdom of God, we're living that reality now, looking toward the final fulfillment in all its fullness when Jesus returns. And this is the kind of mindset we need to get us through this crazy world, this crazy fallen world. Because as we all know, it's not going to get, not going to get any better. It's going to get worse before it's all said and done. So the kingdom of God is what it's all about. It's where our focus should be, and what he's saying here is we realize our participation in it now. We're members of it now, and we need to be encouraged by that, and we need to live in that reality. So as Paul said, the first aspect of the kingdom of God is righteousness. The second that he mentioned is peace. And don't we need that today more and more in our lives? We're not going to find it in the world around us. We're finding mental health issues in people because of what the society is doing to them, because of what's going on in their own personal lives. They can't cope. And as we know, more and more people are turning to medications, 
addictions, whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with medications. I take medications myself for one thing or another. So medications can be a help, but addictions certainly can't. But they're looking for whatever type of help or hope that, that they can find because they're not experiencing the peace that they long for. Peace is more than an absence of strife. Peace is a harmonious interaction first with God and then with our neighbors. Remember back when they had the riots in California and I think it was Rodney King who said, can't we all just get along? <laughs> and I think that's the, the hope and the dream of, of everybody. And you know what? That will be the reality in the kingdom of God when Jesus returns. But in the meantime, we have been called to live in peace. And by God's grace and by his help, we should be making effort to get along. You know, here in this room, we represent this part of the body of Christ. We are God's family here. We are Christians. We have God's Holy Spirit. And you see, there's peace here. There are no fights breaking out. There are no arguments breaking out because we have learned by the grace of God to live in peace with one another. We have grown to love one another as a church. And our church is not alone in that. The church that meets here before us has, is the same way. We, my wife and I get here early. Uh, about an hour before services and their church is sitting there having a meal together and fellowshipping and just having a great time. They love one another. So we have learned to get along because we have the peace of Jesus Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. And in the kingdom of God, we will all get along. It's about goodwill in all of our relationships. So we, now that we've been restored to a relationship and we live in peace with God, we need to reach out and try to, as best we can to live in peace with everybody else. You know, it's been estimated that there have been 107 billion people that have lived on this planet so far. I don't know how historians or scientists figure this out, but in their opinion, and I don't know how true it is, but one number is as good as another. Over the history of, of this earth, 107 billion people have walked on this planet. How could they all get along when we find it hard sometimes to have peace in our own house? You ever think of that? What is it about this crazy human race? Well, it's fallen. That's the problem. God did not create the human race to live in confusion and hatred toward one another. It all started in the Garden of Eden. All you have to do is turn back to the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve were living in peace with God. They fellowshiped with God. They walked with him in the garden. They talked with him. But then when sin entered in, not only did they get booted out of the garden because of their disobedience, but one of their sons murdered another one. It started like that. Animosity, hatred, anger, the kingdom of God is going to be a place of peace. This peace that Jesus promises, which will come in its fullness at his return, but that we're supposed to be experiencing in our lives right now as much as possible, 
This peace that Jesus promises means no more misunderstandings, no more hurtful words, no more stepping on someone else to get ahead, no more judgment or contempt, just peaceful relationships. So this is what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. And the kingdom of God is established in all of its fullness. And I don't know how many of these 107 billion people are gonna be around at the time. <laughs> but this is the way the world or the kingdom of God is going to be. I won't even call it the world anymore because it's gonna be the kingdom of God. God wants us as much as possible to be experiencing this peace in our lives. He, through God, the Father, through his son, Jesus Christ, has already established peace between himself and us through Jesus and his death on the cross. Our sins have been paid for. There's no more animosity. Uh, there's no more uh, guilt. There's no more uh, penalty. It's been paid. So peace, we have peace with the Father. Don't fear him. Don't be worried about him. Don't think that he's angry with you. Don't think that he's disappointed with you. He loves you dearly. And he's done everything that he possibly can to live in peace with you. So let's enjoy that peace with God the Father. But now let's also turn and look around us. Starts at home, doesn't it? Husband and wife, parents and children, in-laws and outlaws, <laughs> whatever the situation is in your family setting, God has called us to peace. And I know, and we have all learned by experience, that it is, it is not possible, should I not say this, to live in peace with everybody. Because there are just going to be some people that you're going to come in contact who will not have peace in their life, for whatever reason. And that's a shame, and it's sad. But that's why Paul said in another scripture, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all people. So that's what we should really try to do. Be quick to forgive, be quick to apologize if something's our fault, but God wants peace. We're in the kingdom now, so let's live like it, okay? But some people, it's just so much of a struggle. Do your best. But we look forward to the time that the kingdom of God is going to be filled with God's righteousness is going to be blessings all the time. And there's going to be peace. And the final thing that Paul mentioned in that passage there in Romans is joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God, one of the distinctions of the kingdom of God is joy. And that's something that we all long for in our lives. Joy I think Paul intended it to mean basically our thinking about ourselves. In other words, the absence of negatives in our life. And haven't, don't we all have negative feelings about ourselves first and foremost? I'm not even talking about other people right now. Let's focus on ourselves. Do you ever say to yourself, I'm not good enough? I know I have. Do you ever say to yourself, I'm not smart enough? I have. And we all remember, and I don't know why we remember things like this, but we all tend to remember negative things that other people have said about us. Maybe starting with our parents. Maybe comments were made or somebody said to you, you know what, you're just a loser and there's no hope for you. 
or we're sorry we ever had you as a child, or you were a mistake, or, you know, we remember stuff like that. And it certainly does not produce joy in our lives. Because we get negative about ourselves, we start to doubt ourselves, and unfortunately, living in a fallen world, comments are made and things are said that should not have been said. Now, we often demand perfection of ourselves. I know for many of us, we're our own worst critic. We remember unkind labels that people put on us all through our lives. But we need to continually remind ourselves about how God feels about us. And you know what? That's totally different. That's totally different. Just take all of the negativism, all of the the hurtful comments and put them away. Put them aside. They don't apply to you. What's most important is what God feels about you. And he is very free and generous with his comments and his word about how he feels about us. I like Colossians 3 and verse 12. And there are many examples that I can turn to. Colossians 3 verse 12. This is what he says to you. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Isn't that wonderful? God is not ashamed. He, he, he doesn't say hurtful things about us. He tells it like it is because the way God feels about us is truth. You know, comments were made about us in our pasts that were unfortunate and maybe they were made out of who knows what emotion. But we can't hold on to those things and think that they're real. We just have to put them aside. We need to forgive the people who made the comments and say, you know what, that's not reality. You know, maybe I used to be like that, but God has made me something different by his grace. He's brought me out of the pit. He has set me on my feet. He has restored me. He has forgiven my sins. He has reestablished a close personal relationship with him, which will now last for all eternity. Like I said, we need to continually remind ourselves, in spite of anything else we may hear, about how God feels about us. Brothers and sisters, we are kingdom citizens now. The fullness of the kingdom of God is on its way. It's not here yet. It's on its way. We don't know how much longer it's going to be. But when it comes, it's going to be fantastic. This is what God is preparing for 107 billion people, give or take. How many? But we have been called to be part of the kingdom now. Jesus said that the kingdom has now been instilled within you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of the kingdom. He's living in us. He's dwelling in us. He's changing us now. So we have to see things not through the eyes of the world, because if you focus on that, it'll drive you crazy. It'll raise your blood pressure, as it does mine all the time, and I have to really step away from it. I'm trying to focus on what God says to focus on. Thy kingdom come. This is the approach that we need to take. We want you all to survive (laughs) our remaining years here on this earth. 
And we can't be driven crazy like the world is going crazy. And it is, and it's going to get worse. So even though there's concern for the world, we pray for the world, our focus needs to be on the kingdom of God, not just in future reality, but in present reality. And to remind ourselves that as a member of this kingdom, we are dearly beloved by God. We are forgiven by him, we are restored by him, and now we are in a relationship with him. He is our dear, dear father, and we are his beloved children. Let that be our focus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message of encouragement. Continue to remind us that this world that we see crumbling around us is not our world. You have called us to something different. And thank you, praise you for that. Give us confidence as to who we are and how you see us. That's what's most important. People speaking out of their negativity and out of their judgmentalism are going to say hurtful things to us, just as they did to Jesus. But it didn't bother Jesus because he knew who he was. He was the Son of God, and he had come to establish his kingdom here. So, Father, thank you for making us a part of that kingdom. Help us to live in that reality. And we so look forward to the time that Jesus will return in glory and his kingdom will be established over the whole earth. Our minds can't even comprehend what that's going to be like, but we know it's going to be very good. So help us to remain loyal and be a part of that. We love you, Father, and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen.